Universal UPAN podcast. My name is Paolo Bautista and I'm your host. So it's at the time of recording the end of April, coming up on May uh, in 2018. And you know what that means? It's coming up on Alumni Weekend and that means reunions for uh, classes who've been uh, 1, 5, 10, 15, so on years out. Um, speaking of, if you are coming to Alumni Weekend, uh, be sure to stop by UPAN's Happy Hour at Penn Women's Center, Saturday at 5.30 p.m. Hope to see you there. Um, anyway, this podcast is not about that, though we do hope to see you there. Uh, it's actually about um, Ben Watkins. Ben Watkins graduated class of 2013. Um, he was co-president of, Taiwanese, of Penn Taiwanese Society, tri-chair for uh, Asian Pacific American Heritage Week, uh, also served on class board, and... This is just one, a few of the very many, many, many things he was involved with. We actually talked later on in the episode about how he was able to be involved in so many things and, and stay sane at a, at a place like Penn. Um, but yeah, uh, Ben is involved in planning, uh, helping him plan the 2013-50 reunion. Uh, so I wanted to talk to him about, about that and, and the planning process and what Class of 2013 has to look forward to. So hope to see you there, Class of 2013. Um, we also talk about uh, how, he, how and why he stays involved in... Um, his uh, in Penn campus after in Penn after graduation as an, as an alum, um, and also how he fills the void that a lot of APA students feel when they graduate um, in not having a structured um, Asian American organization to be a part of. He's part of the Taiwanese American Professional Group here in New York. Um, so yeah, lots of talk to talk about with Ben, including his top picks for food uh, in New York and in Philadelphia. But uh, for now, um, I'll just give it, leave it to him to talk about it himself. So. Catch you on the other side. Ben, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a while, um, but good yeah. to catch up. Thanks for having me, Paulo. All right. So before we start um, talking about your time at Penn, why don't we talk about Ben Watkins before he came to Penn? So where did you grow up? What was family life like? Um, yeah, why don't we start there? Sure. Um, so um, I was actually born in Taiwan, um, and I was there for about a year before moving to the States, and I grew up in Rochester, New York, upstate New York. Um, so my, um, my dad is American and my mom is Taiwanese. Um, and I feel like as an adult, I've heard more different stories of how they've met and like what it was like, like dating. And, and one thing I think is so cool is um, when they first met, my dad, he was doing research with a professor um, at a Taiwanese university and uh, my mom's family actually owned a restaurant right on campus. And okay. so their first time interacting with each other was actually at the restaurant. Um, and I found out in later years that uh, my dad knew very little Chinese uh, as he had just moved there and getting accustomed to things. And most of the stuff he was doing was in English. And my mom actually knew no English at all. So um, for the first few months of them actually interacting with each other, it was all uh, nonverbal communication. Oh, wow. That's super cute. Yeah, it's like really cool. It's like some sort of something out of like a drama or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, those, those are my parents, and so um, yeah, I was um, I was born in Taiwan, moved when I was very young, um, and yes, grew up in upstate New York, Rochester. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think. So, let's talking a little bit more about like 
my family and like my like ethnic background. So um, one thing I've come to appreciate even more as an adult is how I was raised in a multicultural um, household. So um, I grew up speaking Chinese with my mom. When I was a kid, every single year we'd go back to Taiwan and I'd visit my relatives. Um, my mom cooked a lot of Asian food, like rice was a staple for a lot of our meals. Um, but on the flip side, um, so my dad's uh, my dad's side, their background, it's primarily Italian um, with a little bit of English and Welsh. Okay. And because the Italian side of my family, um, holidays were super, super important um, to everyone. So um, my dad's mom, my grandmother, yeah. she would often host family gatherings at her house. And so Christmas Eve was actually a bigger holiday than Christmas Day for us. And we only ate seafood on Christmas oh, really? Eve. And um, um, there were just a lot of other traditions like, you know, opening presents on Christmas Eve versus Christmas Day. There's just a lot of... Um, a lot of different holidays and occasions and um, I like really really enjoyed that growing up um, and also in terms of cooking my mom obviously was a great cook her family owned a restaurant yeah. but um, my great grandmother on my dad's side before she passed my mom actually got to know her really well and my mom learned a lot of the old um, family like Italian oh, recipes wow. so um, I say like probably like it was a 60-40 split between like Asian and um, uh, Eastern and Western yeah. um, dinners um, and food at home and, and so yeah one night we'd have like yeah stir fry and rice and, um, and some sort of noodle and then and then the next day my mom would make like meatballs and spaghetti like homemade meatballs homemade spaghetti sauce did she ever come up with any like cool fusion recipes that combined the two uh, that's a good question actually um, I think not uh, fusion that's actually a good question I don't I've none actually come to mind um, but I mean, definitely more recently, my mom has been doing a lot more experimenting with cooking, okay. um, especially around baking too. Like she loves, she loves baking. Okay. Now. Have you have you picked up the cooking genes from your mom? Yeah, I actually. Um, both my brother and I. I have a younger brother. Yeah. Um, both my brother and I are, are pretty big uh, cooks. Um, like I, I, mean, I love food. I, I, I love eating it. I love cooking it. Um, and I, yeah, I think probably because of how I grew up with it definitely influenced right. me and my relationship to food. Um, like one thing, I mean, I can use a knife most better than most other people. I guess my age, unless you've gone through like formal yeah. training, and and something I picked up from my mom is just being able to understand how flavors meld and mesh together. Um, so even before cooking it, I kind of have an idea of like what something might taste like and what goes well with each other. So um, yeah, that was pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah, I remember on campus you were pretty big on on, on Yelp, like and trying out all the new places on. Yeah, campus. I still am. I still am. All right. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, do you, have you gone back and like I guess had, like obviously does your family on your mom's side still have the restaurant? Um, yeah, so now her younger brother runs and operates. Okay, it. so you've gone back and eaten there a bunch of times. Oh yeah, yeah. And whenever I go back and visit, I always pop by. What's your favorite Taiwanese? I guess dish. Um, oh. If you had to introduce somebody to Taiwanese food, I guess. Oh. Um, I don't know. It's actually a really. It's a tough question. There's just, I just, there's just like so much really good Taiwanese food. Um, I think like one really fun experience is actually going to a Taiwanese night market, like a real Taiwanese yeah. night market. Um, part of the reason why is um, a lot of night market foods. So actually, just to paint a picture, 
Just imagine like uh, a street that's in normal operation during the day at night. It shuts down only pedestrians. Lights and everything line all the sides of it, and it's just jam-packed with people, like shoulder to shoulder. Um, both sides are lined with different sort of booths, like um, food booths, and like sometimes there's games, sometimes there's crafts, sometimes there's just stores that open up and their storefronts spill out into the sidewalk, into the street area. And at these night markets, there's just so much different, uh, so many different food to try, and it's all. Street food in the sense that it's served from a cart, but um, you're going to see some things that are easily recognizable, like um, some sort of barbecue or some sort of fried food, right. but then also some items that are just like totally, totally wild. And one food I actually just recently discovered on my uh, my last trip back to Taiwan, mm-hmm. um, in English is called, uh, in Chinese is called Da Chang Bao Xiao Chang, it means like big sausage wrapped in little sausage. Okay. Um, it's really, really good. Basically what it is, is you have like a Taiwanese sausage, which is um, like, yeah, similar to like a hot dog sausage form, but it's really sweet. Yeah. Um, and then the big sausage is actually intestine that's been um, stuffed with like rice, okay. and they actually grill both of it, they split it open, they put the, uh, the, the small sausage, the, the actual Taiwanese sausage, in the middle of the rice sausage, and it's almost like a hot dog and a hot dog, like a bun kind of thing, oh, wow. but like, the toppings on it, it's just really, I'm, really good. I'm kind of glad like this is an audio-only podcast, because like my face right now is just like <laughs> not appropriate right now. Um, Alright, cool. So. Um, yeah, and I guess, uh, so we, I know we could probably talk about food forever. We have a lot of other podcasts to get yeah, into. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll catch up more food some other time. But, um, so what was, uh, what were you like in high school, I guess? Like, what kind of kid were you? If you wanted to peg yourself down, like, were you interested in studying? Or what were you involved in extracurricularly while you were at, in high school, I guess? Yeah, um, so, um, high school me, I was, I was definitely a good kid. Okay. Textbook definition. Um, I always did my homework. I always followed the rules. I never partied. Um, I was definitely, um, I definitely wasn't as sociable with like strangers and more just like kept to like a few of the friends I had at school. Like I was, de- I was definitely what you consider nerdy. Okay. Um, I played. I love playing video games. I I played Magic the Gathering yeah. with friends. Um, and. Like, yeah, I was a very much a very studious, um, very, very, like, hardworking kid. Um, but in a way that I, like, yeah, I never resented my parents for anything, about, about anything. And, um, yeah, I was a, a good kid, I guess you could say. In terms of, like, stuff I did around school, like, I was in the school wind ensemble. I did track and field. Um, I was really involved in uh, Boy Scouts, got my Eagle Scouts. Yeah. Same here. Um, what? Same here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah it's actually what, funny. what was your Eagle Scout project out of curiosity? Yeah, my, my project was actually a little bit different than other projects. So I think traditionally when people think Eagle Scout project, they think, great, what's like a big um, physical improvement project I can make at a local school? Guilty. Yeah, yeah, which is yeah. I think is totally fine because at the end of the day, these are these are very very necessary projects. Right. You're benefiting a specific organization, and especially if you have a personal connection to them, it just makes sense. Um, but for me, I want to try something a little bit different, and um, I at the time uh, I did a lot of work with like local schools. I uh, I was also working on board games, and so okay. what I actually did is I did a board game collection, refurbishment, and donation. Oh, wow. Wow. Kind of scheme. So 
basically I set up donation boxes around schools in the area, churches in the area, uh, local grocery stores, and ran like a collection drive for a few weeks, trying to collect as many board games, sports equipment, books, and uh, once we had everything together, uh, I had like a, a big like refurbishment party weekend at my house, and so everyone came over and um, we consolidated like six Monopoly sets, incomplete ones, into yeah. four complete ones, and made sure that um, everything was in good like working condition, and especially with board games, like you know, if, like you're missing one, one piece. piece yeah. I know, I know you're super into board games even now. Yeah, so yeah, we'll talk about that yeah. later. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, once we refurbished everything, I donated um, everything to four different organizations. Um, it was a local soup kitchen, local school, um, a local, uh, locally run recreational summer camp, um, as well as a nursing home. So uh, I touched on a, a bunch of different communities um, that I had personal connections with, um, but also places that I thought, um, yeah, had like the need for some nice board games and benefit the members of there. So um, yeah, it was a little unconventional, but um, it was really awesome. fun. It was awesome. different. Um, and I had a good time doing it. Alright, sounds good. And what, what were your aspirations, I guess, if you had any, like, you know, going into college? That you that you remember? Yeah. So um, I was really into math. Math was like okay. my thing. Um, I had a lot of fun like solving math, doing math problems, and um, yeah, just I feel like being able to just, like work through something really complicated and coming out with an answer at the end is just really satisfying. Okay. And um, to be honest, I think at that time math did come really easy to me, and we all know that if there is something that's easy and we're good at it. We typically push ourselves to do more of that. Yeah. Um, like I guess in in hindsight, it's like playing to our strengths. But I think I was a little bit more um, uh, more thinking along the lines of, oh, this is easy. I should yeah. just do this. And people say math is good for you, so why not? Um, when I was younger, I think I, I, I had aspirations of being a chef. Okay. But then I think reality set in and understanding, hey, like being a chef is really hard. You work really long hours. Yeah. You don't, don't make a lot of money, and you really have to have a strong passion for it to push yourself through. And I think I was definitely more of a recreationalist than right. an actual super passion. Which is still good for you know the weekends when you cook, want to cook something nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. And then I guess last question before we hop into your time at Penn: What led you to apply to Penn? And then you know if you got other offers or like you didn't do it early this season, whatever, what led you to choose Penn over anything else that you might have gotten an offer from? Yeah, um, that's a great question. So. Um, to be honest, Penn wasn't on my initial list of colleges. I was looking at primarily schools in the Northeast. I was looking at, um, yeah, it's places with rigorous academic programs, places that were located in or near big cities. Mm -hmm. um, growing in Rochester was great, but I know that I wanted to um, go somewhere more urban, somewhere where I actually could explore a city and feel like I'm part of something bigger. Um, so, yeah, I was looking at schools in like New York and Chicago and Boston, and Philly just wasn't really on my list. But um, we actually have some family friends from Rochester who also happen to be half Taiwanese and our moms uh, like our moms are really good friends dads are really good friends and and they had two daughters that actually went to Penn okay and one uh, we grew up together and one was three years older than me and one is um, one year older than me okay and um, my dad was like hey like 
you should go visit Mario. Like, uh, you should go check out Penn. Penn's a really great school. And I was like, oh, okay, fine, I guess I will. And so it was like October, so it was actually perfect timing, not too hot, like a Philly summer, and not too cold, like a Philly summer. It's like winter. prime exactly. Penn weather, basically. Exactly. And yeah, I went to visit her, and uh, it was pretty nice. I was like, oh, wow, like, this is like a pretty cool school, pretty good campus. I'm surprised I never heard of Penn before. And I think for me, one thing that really hit home in terms of um, actually motivating me to apply. Um, I remember it was like 11.48. I was walking down Locust, and it was like yeah, beautiful sunny, beautiful fall weather. And then right at 11.50, I just noticed and saw the Locust Walk just slowly swarm with people. So people coming from all angles, and, and as soon as it happened, like the atmosphere just changed totally. It went from like this really peaceful, like um, like beautiful campus to something really bustling, lots of people, people flyering, talking about events that weekend, and um, like dance groups were demoing moves from the show that they were gonna do the next week. People were selling and doing certain uh, drives to raise money for their groups, and I like loved it. I thought it was like, um, it was so cool. It's one of those moments that you can think yeah. back on that changes your life. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And um, it's like, wow, like this is a really awesome environment. Like, I want to learn more. I want to figure some things out. And so, yeah, I, I looked into like the math program at Penn. I looked into, um, yeah, like what the school had to offer. And um, yeah, I, I put in my application, and it was uh, yeah one of the schools I uh, was really excited about. Nice. All right. Well, glad that you that you happened to be on Locust during that time. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. So let's hop to your time at Penn. So sure. first off, uh, where did you end up actually graduating? You graduated class of 2013 uh, with what degree from the college? Yeah, so I, I graduated from the college and I actually graduated um, as an economics major okay. and minored in math. Okay, yeah. um, what led you, I guess, to change your mind, I guess, from majoring in math to switching to econ and minoring in math instead? Yeah, um, so I realized um, early on, especially like towards the end of my freshman year, like my interest in math was definitely more of like applied math okay. aspect and not necessarily theoretical. Um, and uh, as I moved further down the math major pipeline, so Penn actually at that time didn't have a separation between theoretical and applied mathematics. Okay. It was just a mathematics degree. And uh, I remember. Um, the class, like, I guess, broke the camel's back. I, I took a like, complex analysis my sophomore year, and it was one of the most difficult classes. And to this day, I don't even know how I would have been able to grasp any of the concepts. And and it was just it was really frustrating for me. Just I, I definitely I had been hitting roadblocks before that point, but this was like the first time where like no matter how hard I tried to scale that wall, I just couldn't get over it. Um, and it made me think critically, like, is this what I really want to do for the next like two and a half years of my college career? Um, I like the idea of yeah, doing problem sets for like hours on end every single week. It just wasn't as exciting anymore, especially given just like the scope of the work. Um, and because I doubled down basically on math from the start, taking like double math credit every semester since then, I didn't really have the opportunity to explore other majors. Okay. Um, and uh, I know at one point I was considering like, a transfer to Warren, and I was like, oh, Warren, like, you, it's like a very um, 
like a lot of applied concepts and and it's like it just seems more of what I want to do but um, I didn't end up going through with it um, and yeah to be honest like I like economics was one of the few majors that was I guess in a sense it is applied mathematics. Yeah. Um, that was still an option for me at that time okay. to be able to graduate in time. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, what were, so aside from that particular class, um, what were some classes you did like, either within your major, minor, or just not related at all that you would like to, you know, maybe shout out or any professors in particular you want to like give a shout out to, I guess? Yeah. Um, I mean, my freshman year, I did take a couple interesting classes. Um, my first semester, I took this class called, um, it was a film class, post-war Japanese cinema and visual arts. And so every single week, we'd watch a, um, a different um, a Japanese film. Um, like, we studied a lot of Kurosawa, Ozu. Um, and it was just really interesting because it was one of the smaller format classes I was taking at the time. The class was like 20-ish people, and it was like a round circular discussion. Um, and the professor, I think it's Professor uh, Davis, Julie Davis, um, she was really, really awesome. Um, and I knew like I wasn't going to go into film, but I think it was just a nice like change of pace, mix things up, and I think really pushed myself out of my comfort zone because yeah, I can't really talk about film that well, but I was forced to in that class. Nice. Um, I also took a few, later on, I took a few fine arts classes, too. Uh, I took, like, uh, uh, DDF, uh, Digital Design Foundation. Okay. Uh, learned Illustrator, like, very practical. I love that. Yeah. Just being able to pick up the skills. And um, uh, ceramics, too, my senior year. That was, oh, I remember. You, you, you had, like, you, you were making some stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was really fun. I, I, I love ceramics, too, because, yeah, at the end of, at the, end of the day, you're, you have a physical product, a physical... The representation of all work you put in, um, but I will say it's it was one of the classes I least expected to pull multiple all-nighters. <laughs> uh, finishing projects because uh, you can't rush ceramics. You have to once you make it, you have to let it set and dry for a period of time. Then you gotta fire, and then after firing, you got glit. It's just like timing it out was something I was not used to. All right, fair enough. Um, all right, so in addition, I think what I knew you most when when we were both at Penn together was you were just involved in. Some people say way too much stuff. Um, just a yeah. quick list here. You were involved in Penn Taiwanese Society, oh, Class Board, Asia Pacific American Heritage Week, every single culture show your senior year, I believe. Um, the, let's see, Sig, Sig, Sig App um, Fraternity, the Penn Fund, Seniors for the Penn Fund, you're an RA for Rodin, Kite and Key Society, um, the Financial Literacy Community Project, Alpha Phi Omega Service Fraternity, Penn Traditions, the Pure Mentorship Program, Alternate Spring Break, Fins, um, the 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 um, NSO group, CSSP, and Penn Band. Um, is there anything I missed? Um, <laughs> uh, actually, occasionally modeled in the um, uh, in the walk and Penn Fashion Penn Fashion Week model, modeling show. But I, I think you I think you hit most of that. All right. So first question. Um, how? Um, how did you find time? Because I know people like make, make say that you know Penn is a city of people doing so many different things, but this seems like even for most people I know, this is like near the top of just the number of things you involved. How are you able to like balance a lot of these things? I know like you didn't do everything for all four years, but how are you able to I guess find that balance of, of being able to do all these things? Yeah. Um, so I will say, looking back, definitely was very like excessive. Um, I don't regret. 
it because I feel like a lot of relationships and a lot of friendships and just a lot of experience I've had would have not been the same if it weren't for my involvement in those groups. But I think at the time when I was a student, I didn't understand the difference between like like depth versus breadth, and I didn't okay. really, uh, I didn't really think about yeah, like impact versus um, like action. Okay. Um, and yeah, would I have? I, I, I don't regret anything again, but would I have changed a couple of things? Probably. I think, um, and it, it's something that I I feel like I still face now. But it's like, um, like yeah, pressure from others and just like, um, yeah, figuring out what I ultimately want to do versus like yeah, doing what other people want you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I definitely was caught up in the fact that it's like wow, like. I do these things, I do them really awesome, and oh, I'm kind of interested in this. It's like, and other people are like, oh yeah, like this is really awesome, you should try it. Like, yeah, you know, why not? Um, I think I also never learned um, how to say no. And I was okay. I was very much a yes person um, um, to my faults. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't so, so just in the general, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, because I think I personally developed kind of a similar reputation of doing, doing like so many different things. And like you, I, I don't think I regret doing any of them. Um, per se, and yeah, could I have done fewer things and maybe done even more in the things I did? I, I stuck to, maybe, but at the same time, I think like in the end, we wouldn't have ended up where we are now if not for that. I think. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to be involved in so many different things. Yeah, I would absolutely not not like a bad thing. I think it, I think it depends on like each individual's experience, what they are getting out of it, what they ultimately want. But yeah, yeah I, I agree. I agree. So I guess like maybe like if someone's interested in doing a lot of things, maybe like. Figure out why you're doing the thing, and then like maybe go into it as much as you you desire it. That maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if I were to give myself advice, then it's just being able to make more time for reflections. Because um, yeah, when you when you are involved in so many things, like all the like you could be responding to emails and be in meetings and be on calls till like two or three every single night, and mm-hmm. you go to sleep and just go about the next day and just keep going, 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 and and when you do that, you don't actually take time to think about, great, pause, why am I doing this? What am I getting out of it? What do I want to get out of it? And actually figuring out, yeah, the, the purpose behind your actions. All right, sounds good. Um, before we hop into like some, we can't obviously talk about all of them. We don't, right. don't have time, but before we hop into some of like the key things, specifically related, like I guess, um, what I would think were your biggest engagement. Um, uh, I, I know that um, I, we had worked on the project, I think, for something for Pats um, at some point, and you had mentioned, I think, during another interview like this, that you actually didn't get involved with the Asian American community until kind of later on in your in your career. So I guess, um, first off, was there a particular reason why you didn't early on? I mean, it seems like you were pretty proud of your you know Taiwanese heritage growing up, and not to say like this was bad that you didn't, but just like curious, like why, I guess? And then second, what ended up drawing you in to the community um, later on. Yeah, so um, so yeah, so growing up our, my family was very active and is still active in uh, TAR, the Taiwanese Association of Rochester. And so okay. um, I, I grew up going to Chinese school for a few years. I had friends that I saw at these Taiwanese events every like month or so. Like my mom sings in the Taiwanese American choir. Um, so there's a lot of overlap. Um, and I was very involved not only in Taiwanese culture at home, but also in the community. Um, I think when I went to Japan, I didn't actively say I wasn't getting involved in the Taiwanese American community. 
community, but is more, hey, like, this is college, try something new, do something different. And so, um, yeah, my, my freshman year, that's when I got involved um, in, like, the Penn Band. I was like, oh, it's a scramble band. This is really cool and interesting. Yeah. I didn't really do marching band in high school, and um, I joined it and pledged a fraternity. I was like, wow, like, that's so crazy. Like, that's so new. And um, I, I got involved, like, Kite and Key Society and volunteered at a local school with CSSP. And, and these, are ju- these are just, like, new experiences that I wanted to, yeah, try as a, as a, um, a freshman in college. Um, and I realized, though, um, going into sophomore year, it's like, hey, like, something was missing a little bit. Um, not that I was necessarily super involved in Tony stuff growing up as a kid, but I think, like, I definitely missed that, like, cultural exploration and just having a community of, like, other Asians that, like, similar to what I grew up mm-hmm. with, um, with Tennis Association in Rochester. So that's when I got involved with PTS, and um, I went to, like, the uh, general body meeting, learned more about getting involved, and um, applied to be, like, the social chair. I was like, I can plan parties. This sounds yeah. fun. Um, and everyone was super welcoming, like, and, and I, I still remember, like, our, um, our first board retreat, actually getting to know each other and hanging out. And, and it was like, uh, there were eight people on the exec board and eight people on the general board. And um, basically it was a night of, yeah, getting to know each other and hanging out. Um, yeah, there's only drinking by like the older older people, of course. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was just, I, I, it was in that moment I realized, oh wow, I was like, this is a really awesome group of people, really awesome community. Um, and like, I think I made a really good decision by um, joining. And, I, and, and PTS definitely was kind of like the gateway. So um, like through PTS, I got more exposure to like APSC and the APA community. And, um, and one thing I will say though is um, I actually, for the longest time, was actually very intimidated by going into Patch. Right. Um, I think. Um, I think I was, yeah, very well with PTS and maybe a, a few other select groups and individuals. But in terms of the greater APA community and, and Patch, like I just didn't necessarily. Not that I what didn't feel welcome, but it was just a very. Um, it felt like a club that it wasn't a member of yet. Okay. Um, and like I, I, I'd gone to Patch to like make copies, and, and actually I remember specifically, um, um, at the time. I, actually, I don't remember if it, if it was my my sophomore year or not, but I remember um, like the uh, one of like the goals of TTS was like, hey, like we want to get people more comfortable with patch, and and so like here are ways that you can go in, like make copies of patch, or or talk to someone about funding a patch, like basically forcing us to like go in and like yeah. access the resources and hopefully by effect becoming more comfortable going in on our own. Uh, I think it worked to to a degree. Um, um, but yeah, I think definitely my sophomore year, um, when Patch was in the old arch before the renovation. Right, before the renovation. Um, I was not, uh, I was not a Patch regular. I didn't, I didn't go in that uh, as much. Uh, but as time go, went on, uh, as my involvement with more APA groups grew, and as my, as the community that I knew of Patch and like the APA community grew, um, yeah, and, and it inevitably became more and more comfortable and yeah.
Right. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, definitely. I remember like my freshman year. I was, still, I was also kind of pretty intimidated as well. It wasn't until I got involved in like Poly or like other groups that that right. that, 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 that happened. Exactly. Um, kind of a similar related question. Um, what do you think? Like, what was your take on the broader? Like, once you got involved, what was your take on the broader APA community um, at the time? Because one of the things I want to do with this podcast is just capture what was it like being on campus and being in the APA community. What? How would you describe it? I guess. Like, what was the main issues? What were people talking? about was there a strong sense of identity I guess at the time or, or mm. yeah just, just leave it up to you I guess um, well when I was like an uh, underclassman I think it, it could have been because of my own personal feelings but just in general I didn't I didn't necessarily feel like the AP community was super connected together I thought everyone was yeah connected on this giant umbrella. Um, we all went to APSC meetings every single month. Um, but aside from that, there wasn't real much connection between like APA groups and APA communities aside from the occasional like club party. Or yeah. like, um, yeah. And I, and I heard like they don't actually do them as much anymore. But basically, like when, yeah. when I was when I was at Penn, um, you'd go find a restaurant or some sort of venue downtown. Was, yeah, yeah, downtown that was willing to um, give you the space um, without a rental fee and more of a barman situation, and would allow people under twenty-one to into the venue. Yeah, and I remember those. It, it was just an opportunity for groups to be able to like make money and have like uh, a party for their members, um, and so. Aside from those occasional collaborations between groups, which, by the way, weren't um, weren't always like the um, most like, like like for example, I feel like also when I was an underclassman, like the East Asian and like South Asian communities were definitely didn't mix as much. Yeah, um, and I think it was my like junior year in PTS, we did like a party collab with SAS, the South Asian Society. That was like I remember that deal. one. I remember that one actually. It was really, it went really well. I think. Yeah. No, I, I, and it was a great party. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I remember like it was like a big deal that an East Asian group and a South Asian group were were doing an event together. Um, but now I've, when I when I see a campus, it's like oh yeah, like it happens all the time, and like there's definitely a lot more. Um, a lot more conversations, a lot more like events and programming around like the intersection of our identities and culture. Yeah. Uh, but when I was on campus, it definitely wasn't as prevalent. Okay. Cool. Um, so diving in, I guess, a little bit more in depth. So uh, I guess we'll start off with um, Penn Taiwanese Society. What I guess drew you in. So what are some of your favorite memories, or, or you know, what what do you, how would you describe I guess PTS and, and your time there? I guess. Yeah. Um, like so, PTS was definitely. Um, like pe- people always say, like, oh, like, I love being part of this cultural group because they're like really fun people or they have really awesome events. But I think for me, like, PTS definitely had a much stronger family element to it than my other groups. Okay. Um, so, yeah, like the board was like my family, and in um, we had big little programs, but we also had like family groups. The whole idea of creating a community for underclassmen and upperclassmen to interact with each other in, in a way that you build relationships that will carry you through your whole college experience. Um, I think yeah, PS did, just did such a good job of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, also with PTS, um, a lot of members weren't Taiwanese, and um, I don't think that other groups were necessarily like, excluding people that didn't necessarily identify with the ethnicity or, or culture that the group was um, celebrating or representing. But I think like PTS was just very very 
very, very open about non-Taiwanese people coming to events and being part of the group and never making them feel excluded because of just like who they were. Like, obviously, there's a requirement of like you have to be interested in Taiwanese stuff, like yeah, um, like or, or want to learn more about it, um, uh, or are just a fun person in general. Um, but you don't have to be Taiwanese to be part of the group. Um, so I think like that's kind of like what drew me in. Specific memories. Um, oh gosh, like uh, you were co-president, so you were just involved know, in like everything. Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a there's like so many like one thing I like to think about is just like how we like kind of did stuff as under as college students that I look back and like, oh my god, I can't believe you did that. All right, maybe um, some of the be- we still didn't be mentioned. <laughs> but I mean. Uh, I'm sure they don't do it anymore, but I remember, so Bubble Tea Social was one of our big mm-hmm. events, and um, as tr- per tradition, like, the board, we'd hang out the night before and, like, make, like, literally multiple Gatorade jugs full of, um, full of bubble tea, uh, full of milk tea, and I remember one year, it wasn't one, but, like, to mix it, we had to have two people stick their whole arm oh. <laughs> into the orange Gatorade jug <laughs> to make sure the the non-dairy creamer and the honey was, and was mixing was properly mixed and um, obviously like they want like it was clean and I ended up working out but it was just really funny like some of the stuff we did there but um, yeah I, I think like I think a lot of my memories as an underclassman were associated around the like the board and stuff we did as a board but as I grew older like a lot of the relationships that I had bled out from the organization and we're just like yeah we're friends because not just because you're in a group but because exactly. we're friends exactly, exactly. Um, so one question actually I asked this so I interviewed uh, Mel Mariano uh, mm-hmm. last episode and she talked about because uh, we were both in Pennsylvania Association we talked about like our take on like what PPA's role on campus was and just the broader role of cultural groups in general. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Like what is the role of a cultural affinity group on campus? Specifically one like PTS, which isn't necessarily only for Taiwanese people, but open to pretty much everyone. I mean not like again, not that, that any group does exclude, it's just that it happens to be for a lot of people. Yeah. It's not it's like that's yeah. Um so when you think of like a goal of like a cultural group, like I think it really, yeah. You were asking like, oh, what was like AP community like on campus when I was there? And given, yeah, I'm only five years out, but things have changed. I can't answer what that is well, for so, yes, yeah, now. What was the role yeah, with yeah, yeah. yours? Yeah. So the reason, the reason I bring that up is because I feel like it depends on the leadership, it depends on people on board, but also depends on just the, yeah, the environment on campus and what it's like. And so I think um, PTS, like at the time, we were all about like educating and just getting people to understand like, hey, like Taiwanese culture is really cool. Like these are different aspects of Taiwanese culture, and I feel like a lot of our events did have, um, yeah, some sort of like cultural awareness, like education element to it. Um, it wasn't just oh, we're a bunch of Taiwanese people hanging out together, and and here's like a here's like an event, but more along the lines of hey, this is part of our culture that we're sharing with you that we want to make you aware of. We hope you enjoy it just as much as we do. Okay. Um, so I think like yeah, a being, um, yeah, educating people about like what Taiwanese culture is and getting people interested in it and learning more about it. But B, I think um, it definitely served as a, as I mentioned before, like a, a community, a family, a, a hub for um, incoming freshmen or even upperclassmen who are still, we're still looking for um, that group of friends that, that group they can hang out with all the time and, and call their family. Um, 
and yeah, serving as that central hub. All right, good. That's a, that's a pretty fair take, I think. Um, all right, so in this is the PTS. You were also involved. I think your other biggest involvement was in Class Board, I believe. Mm -hmm. So how long were you involved in Class Board? Yeah, um, I was. Um, yeah, I was involved all four years. Okay, so uh, as someone who wasn't really like knowledgeable on what went on in Class Board, aside from whenever they had like events, like what actually are the logistics of being on Class Board? What does that entail? I guess. Sure. Um, so, class board, um, yeah, it's student government. There's a class board for every single class. And um, part of the responsibilities of the officers of class board is just to be able to foster class spirit with, yeah, within their year. And um, this takes on a, a lot of different um, capacities. So first, like working with uh, the administration and any formal class-related events, uh, for example, like a picnic at the president's office or um, events during NSO as freshmen. Actually, take that back. We obviously went on board when we, <laughs> we were freshmen during NSO. Like heyday, for example. Exactly, yeah, heyday. Like heyday, like uh, final toast, um, sophomore skimmer. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things that. Um, you do as a class that you might not recognize as being organized by class board. Um, and so, yeah, the board of 10 of us, it fluctuated between like 10 and 12 of us. We'd get together every month and talk about yeah, different events or projects that we want to do. We had a set budget that was given to us. Our, our board, class of 2013, it was a really special board. I think like, um, like, for example, like our class president, John Yushet. Oh like, my god, I, I know John pretty well, yeah, but yeah, we keep going for the like, audience. One thing I really appreciate about him is he's definitely more, he's a big thinker, like a visionary type person, and um, he'll just throw random ideas out there. Alright, shout out to John, everyvowel.com, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, um, anyway. Um, and, and I think like, our board was stayed actually pretty consistent. I say like about eighty percent of the board stayed the same all four years, mm -hmm. um, which um, was good for us because it, we definitely established like rapport with each other and like a really good working relationship. And I think like if we had as much turnover as maybe other years I've seen, we might not have been able to put out as, as many awesome things. Um, but um, yeah, like we did some pretty cool stuff. Like yeah, what were some of the fun like, stuff? A lot of so. Um, Oh, our freshman year, we did um, NS over again, which I don't know if I don't. I think they did it maybe one or two years after. Uh, but I, I'm actually really proud to be part of a group where we established a lot of firsts. Okay. So um, yeah, NS over again um, um, was one thing that we did sophomore year. We did the Harry Potter T-shirts, which right. I don't know if they still do those. I don't know if they still do. I, I remember I saw them like two years ago. I don't know if yeah, they're, they're, the I think been there a couple years, years but yeah. Um, but yeah, we were the first class to do that. So. Uh, classified in different schools as different houses in Harry Potter, um, and that blew blew up. I we know. sold thousands of shirts. I'm kind of sad, like so. I'm warden. I got I got my I got my snake shirt, but um, I ordered it. Like I guess I've grown since then, and, and it's too small for me now. Oh, I really no. wish I could have it. Yeah. it. They were they were really good designs, um, and and we had a blast giving them out. Um, we were we were, the, we were the first year to like rebrands um, software skimmer as skimmer fest and actually making um, a, a big school wide event. Um, we had uh, a hot air balloon on campus, which I remember was, that, which was like yeah, a big picture idea that Yusha um, had like, a meeting. I remember we walked into a meeting. He's like, guys, let's do a hot air balloon, and we we're like, that's crazy. We're never going to do that. 
Um, Big thinker. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, we just like like the we also did the like the pen sweaters, like the big P pen sweaters, the class specific ones. We were the first year to do that. Mm-hmm. Actually, I apologize. We weren't the first year to do that. We were the first year to do the the stitched letters on the sweater. Okay. I, in, in 2012, did like a, a screen printed one, um, but. Um, like I, I think it's like Zeke, Zeke Sextower who's also on the uh, on class board. He um he is very adamant about getting these really nice American apparel sweaters with the, the stitching on it. I still have mine. So, exactly, this yeah. classic Ivy look. Um, and yeah, you know, we ended up doing uh, really awesome stuff with it. Um, so yeah, it's like a it was a, it was a, it was a group of friends I don't think I would have known outside of class board that. Um, yeah, we had a, we had a really good time. All right, we'll we'll come back to class board in a little bit. But um, in addition to that, you were also involved in APA, um, which is the Asian Pacific, Her- Asian Pacific American Heritage Week. You were tri chair, as was I the year after you. Actually, mm-hmm. I don't think I've actually had anyone on the show who was an APA tri chair. So why don't you talk a little bit about APA? I guess in its role, I guess in the in the APA community. Sure. Um, so APA Asian Pacific American Heritage Week um, takes place in the fall. Um, basically, um, it's a week long celebration. Um, yeah, celebrating all aspects of Asian Pacific American um, culture. And so um, our year, um, our vision, our theme was, uh, it was called Vision 2020. Because you were the 20th anniversary. Exactly. Actually, yeah. I think APA is actually older than PATS, older than yes, APSC, older than like pretty much any like APA institution mm-hmm. on campus, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and so, yeah, for, for us, um, like, the theme was, like, 2020 because, yeah, 20th anniversary, like, um, 2020 perfect vision, but also hindsight's foresight. So just thinking about, great, the previous 20 years, what has APOL accomplished? What was its purpose back then? What did it do in the last 20 years? And kind of what's its purpose moving forward? And so, um, like, part of... Like part of our goals um, when planning APA was, A, we wanted to make sure it was as inclusive as as many communities as possible because um, how can you call something uh, Asian Pacific American Heritage Week if you leave out certain communities that consider themselves Asian Pacific American? It's just not as um, not as uh, inclusive. And we also wanted to like have um, like a, a wide variety of representation amongst the speakers and um, the people we brought in, but also just new, interesting stuff. Um, so, for example, um, one one person that we brought in particular I thought was really, really cool. Um, so we brought in this group called uh, Shanghai Restoration Project. Right. Um, so uh, Dave Leung and um, his partner Jamal, I, I forgot his last name, um, but they were, um, so yeah, uh, Dave is um, Asian American and um, his partner is African American. And they actually, they're a music group where they'll take traditional Chinese instrumental music, so thinking like opera house, like um, like the two-string like erhu and like very traditional Chinese instruments, and mixing it over modern day hip hop. And um, I thought that was really, really cool because, hey, like it sounded amazing. It was a really, really awesome performance and their stuff was really, really cool. But it's just like a fusion of different cultures, not just a fusion of Asian, two Asian American cultures, but to just, pretty different cultures. Yeah. Um, and I think like 
what what they were doing and like the dialogue that they had like during the show and after the show and and just like what motivated them and what they were inspired by um, was just really cool just because it was I think one of the one well, first of a type of um, collaboration you brought to campus. Yeah, I remember like I remember a lot of people were like kind of skeptical because like no one had ever heard of them. Exactly. Um, yeah. But then when people got on the show, everyone was like bumping. It was like the real. I still I still follow them on Spotify and like listen to their what are the new stuff they put out actually. Yeah, it was um, really really awesome. Yeah. I, they they did a really really good job and um, I thought it was just really cool for us to be able to bring them to campus, but also for it to be so positively received. All right, cool. And kind of you know another thing um, that. I don't know. I don't know if this is like an actual thing. This is, I, I, I always have this in my head when I think about it, is that you did most, if not every culture show your senior year, I think. So you were in the Tiny Student Association show in the fall, and then you went consecutively the Pan Tyranny Society show, the Vietnamese Student Association show, and the Pan Philippine Association show. I also think you were in the Sasso dancing, I believe. So yeah. I think sort of club sing, uh, which they have like an audition process, yeah. but and only they only do it like every other year, which I don't think was actually your year. It what they did do oh, it my did. senior okay. year, um, but I was not involved. Now. Yeah. So aside from that, um, kind of all the open shows that you could just audition and like get eat more easily get into, you did everyone. I don't remember if there did anyone. Was there anyone before you who had done a similar thing of doing like every culture show? Ah. Uh... There definitely, I, I, I have a strong feeling there was. Okay. Um, uh, definitely not a pioneer in that sense, but. Um, Cause that, okay, I guess maybe it's like my <laughs> my favorite preference because like I didn't know anyone else who had done that. Mm -hmm. um, I call it the Ben Watkins when I describe it to like younger people. It's like, oh yeah, there's this guy who did like every culture show, and everyone's like, quick for people who don't know, like culture show is like pretty much all semester you're like working, if not long run, like learning lines or dancing or whatever, and then the week before the show is like basically. Every day that week, it's just like rehearsal practice. Um, the day takes, it takes all day Saturday usually. Um, and the thing is, like in the spring especially, the three culture shows are usually week after week after week. So it's pretty much a solid month of just like everyday practices. So um, I, mean, I, I did it kind of inspired by you actually. <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, I guess what kind of drove you, I guess, um, to be invited? Were you a member of all of the groups, I guess, that, that you did it in? Or was it something like a senior bucket list type situation? Um, I was not a member of all the groups. I mean, I've been to events, but for example, I, I didn't like purchase membership or like go to like internal events for mm -hmm. um, a lot of these groups. And I think like my personal motivation, like before like, my junior and sophomore year, I had done other cultural shows. Like I'd done like maybe like one or two a year. Um, and they're really fun. Like you get to meet a really awesome group of people. One thing to note too is um, this was true in PTS, and I think this is true in uh, a few other cultural shows too. But there are people that get involved with a cultural show that might not be involved with the organization. So um, it's just like, like kind of like me. They're very curious, and interested, in, and just want to try something new. Um, so. Yeah, like my senior year is like, oh wow, I'm, I'm about to graduate. There are all these shows I hadn't done before. I should, why not try it out? Okay. And I think like, um, uh, they're all they're all very different um, in terms of like the, the show format. So you mentioned like memorizing lines. Like yeah, some of them are very scripted, like plays. Um, but um, I want to. I actually I really enjoy doing like BPA Barrio. Yeah. Um, and. Um, yeah, I I learned how to do Tanikli. Yeah. I learned how to do uh, I did Mogalitic my yeah. senior year, and it was just like there's like really funny random um, things that I realized once I graduate probably don't have as 
not that I would never be able to do it, but I probably don't have as easy access as um, as before. So I was like, hey, like this is kind of like my last opportunity to be able to like do this, and so that's what kind of motivated me. All right, cool. Um, uh, what do you think? Um, what do you think the role of like culture shows within a cultural group is? Is it just like just to have like a social event, or is there like another purpose for having these cultural shows? Yeah. Um, well, I think uh, there's only so much culture you can involve in events. There's only so much culture, yeah, culture you can incorporate into like events and program that you do, um, conversations you have. And I think cultural shows are a really um, a really um, cool way to be able to showcase other parts of a culture that, yeah, you might not be talking about or featuring at. Like, okay, a, a so it's like another avenue of like what you were saying, educating you know the the, the campus about like yeah. what it is to be Taiwanese, I guess. Yeah, and I, and I think like it does a couple other things too. First. Um, a lot of people in high school were involved in like theater and drama, and and most people just a like didn't consider themselves like quote unquote good enough, or didn't have as much passion for it to like pursue it further on. But they still kind of missed it. So this is like an outlet to do that. But B, I think, and this is very true with PTS, and I'm sure it's true with other groups too. It's like it's just like another way for people to be able to, um, yeah grow their community, find their family, and like get to know each other better. So, um, at the end of the day, like when you pay, when you buy a ticket to the show, like you weren't going to like. I will say, Club Sing was a great production. Yeah. They did a really, really good job. And not saying cultural shows in general aren't good productions, but I mean, they're amateur productions. Exactly. Yeah. And you're going more to support your friends and, and being able to like see something they like worked really hard on. So, like, yeah, you're going to support. You feel really accomplished as a participant in the show, and um, yeah. At the end of it, you found a group of friends that, as you mentioned, have spent the last semester working really hard on something and the last week spending six hours a day in the same room during like a uh, 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 pre-show preparation. So. Uh, all right, sounds good. Um, we're running a little bit long, but before we hop on to what you're doing after Penn, sure. first, since you're a foodie, best restaurants on campus and then also in Philadelphia. Oh, boy. Um, oh. Wow, um, oh, this is a tough one. Um, blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to think. All right, last time I went to Philly, what did I eat? Oh, I don't know if it's still around because every single time I go back, the, and the next one closes. But I loved Yogurino. Okay. I don't know if it's still around. Yogurino is this frozen yogurt place that was just so so good. It was very tart and. Like you had these different glazes, and I love getting like the chocolate hazelnut, the pistachio, or the pomegranate, whatever it was, and it was so good. But last I heard and last I saw, a lot of them actually closed. So really sad about that. <laughs> all right. Well, hopefully it's there when we when we go back. Um, all right. Cool. And one last question before we hop over: um, What impact and legacy do you think you like to think you've had? I guess on Penn um, in your time there. I don't know, I think one thing that I, I did do that I am proud of is I did get involved with so many different groups. I did create relationships across different organizations and and um, and yeah, a lot of like I I tried to meet as many people as I could and really have meaningful relationships with every person I met. So in terms of like a legacy, like I hope if 
people feel like it's hard or like they can't really do as much it kind of inspires people like be like hey like yeah go outside your comfort zone meet people that aren't necessarily in the community that you identify with do every culture so you're seeing in you aka the Ben Watkins well yeah I mean only do, I mean do it if, if that's something that people if that's your thing but exactly. yeah yeah um, so yeah I, I'll be honest I haven't really thought as much about legacy because I, as I mentioned earlier I don't know if I necessarily thought as much about impact versus action okay. um, but yeah I hope I hope I left Penn in a better place than my rock. Right. Sounds good. So, hopping over to your time postman. So, you live here in New York City. Yes. Um, you've worked at a number of startups, um, which I feel like a lot of people have actually. So, <laughs> you actually at Yelp first, and you worked at a couple of other startups. What I really want to talk to you about actually um, is so, it's, we're recording this um, April 2018. We're about a month away from uh, Alumni Weekend 2018, which is your five year anniversary actually. So, yeah. um, why don't you tell us what does the class of 2013 have in store for their 50 reunion and what's yeah. the what's the what's the planning process been like I guess yeah um, so um, reunion planning process it luckily gets a lot of help from like the administration like you like have point people in like the uh, an office and and it's less about um, like the university has money and so it's less about budgeting but more about like what can we do to create really awesome amazing experiences that A, people remember, but more importantly, B, people will come to and people will get excited about. Um, so the planning process, a lot of it has been revolving around um, what are ways to innovate on these like these core events that we're going to do, what are some really cool niches we can uh, do to in inspire and excite people, get people to come back. Because yes, the planning committee I think is a very self-selecting group of people who are really excited about Penn and are really excited to come back, but at the end of the day, very few, like not very few, but like some people just once they leave college, like that's it. It's like, hey, like I did my time, I paid my tuition, and yeah. I'm out. Um, so and that, that leads to the question: Why do you stay involved with Penn after you graduate? Like we were, we were both on UPenn board, um, uh, uh, and so like what what kind of like led you to stay involved in UPenn, stay involved in I guess this 50 year reunion planning? What led you to stay involved with Penn after graduation? Yeah, so. Um, one is selfish, one is not. So I guess I'll start with the selfish one. Um, I place a lot of value on relationships. I think relationships are the most valuable currency anyone can have these days. Where you get to and where you are in life and who you interact, it's all about who you know. Yeah. And for me personally, to be able to build on my relationships and build meaningful, strong connections with people, it's about staying involved. It's about um, being in the know. It's about like, yeah, staying in touch with, um, staying in touch with people. That um, and going out of my way to make sure that, yeah, I, I am building, continuing to build my network and have strong relationships. Um, and like less selfish one, and, and definitely is probably more stronger motivator. Is I think Penn gave me so much as an individual. I think Penn changed a lot of who I am, changed my way of thinking. And honestly, without Penn, I wouldn't be where I am today. Like, flat out, honestly. Yeah, be, I, I, don't, I don't know where I would be, but not saying it'd be worse, better or worse, but I owe so much of where I am now to Penn. And so, yeah, I am not a super wealthy person. I can't give money to back to Penn as, in, in, in ways to have as a huge impact. And, and, I, and I have learned money is the easiest and best way to yeah. be able to make an impact. But in the time being, before I get to that point, hopefully, 
Um, I can donate my time, I can donate my ideas, I can donate my energy. Um, and that's why I stay involved in, in Penn. Right. Sounds good. And totally, I totally feel the same way um, on, on that. So I, I feel that wavelength. So, yeah, I mean, what were, is there any hints or teasers that to get class of 2013, anyone who's listening, excited about uh, what's coming uh, next month? You just gotta be there. You gotta be there. Yeah, I I don't want to spoil anything, um, but it's gonna be a really really good time. Um, and yeah, you, you gotta come back. Like the, the, I feel like we made so many memories as a class, and there's just so much to catch up on. There's so much to do. There's so much to see. Um, and yeah, there is obviously a schedule of events floating out there, but ultimately you can't really. I can't describe like the emotions or how you feel when you're actually back on campus with your class again. So right. you gotta be there to be there to see it. Be there Sounds to good. Feel it. Class of 2013, be there. Um, yeah. You, 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 <laughs> guys will, you, you guys will probably have like a bunch of firsts, like you did for all the other stuff that you guys did. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Let's be. Let's be. Let's break records again. Let's be the biggest class back on campus. All right. Sounds good. Um, and I guess for anyone like my five year, I, I graduated after a year after you. So my five years next year. Um, what would you say to anyone? Who maybe thinking about getting involved in like planning their their class reunion? Like, what would you do there? So they like what? Why? Why would? Why would they want to get involved? I guess. Yeah. Um, I. Th I guess so. This goes back to like I guess Penn kind of. I like I didn't get involved in the AP community until my sophomore year, and I feel like a lot of people feel if they don't get involved in the beginning, it's pointless. There's nothing they can really do. But even if you weren't involved in Penn. Even uh, like like in like the Penn community, you basically just like got your degree and left. Or um, even if you didn't really know that many people, it's never too late to get involved. And getting involved and being involved, it's different from person to person. And uh, yeah, you can you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you're really good at, and still be able to make an impact. And if you're thinking about it all, just yeah, reach out and reach out to your, like your class board, reach out to your class president, and they'll be able to set you up. All right, sounds good. Um, and then one other thing before we hop over to like the wrap-up questions, um, a lot of people, at least I know in the APA community, after they graduate, really want like something like APA related that kind of missed that that void that after they graduate they don't really have anymore. And I think you've actually found something. You involved in TAP, um, which yeah. I believe the Taiwanese American Professionals. Yep. Um, and that's kind of almost like another cultural group, but for people in the working world. So what is, I guess, how did you find it, and 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 I guess what do you guys do, and then what would you say to people looking for something like, you know, a PTS but for adults, like something like TAP. Maybe they're, maybe they're not even Taiwanese, but just like something similar. Yeah. Um, so um, I got involved with TAP because um, there are a lot of pen connections that overlap with like okay. PTS and TAP leadership. Also, um, the president when I. Um, when I started getting involved, yeah, I, I knew him from Penn, and um, the following president, I actually knew him because we worked together. Um, he went to Princeton, we worked together on a Penn-Princeton event. So, okay. um, a lot of connections there. And, um, yeah, I mean, TAP is awesome. Like, I very similar to like PTS. Like, right now, outside of my coworkers uh, uh, and my boyfriend, I probably see TAP people the most. Okay. And um, they're just like such an awesome group of people. In the last four years, I've gotten like so much, uh, so many memories. Uh, what are some of the crazy things you guys have been up to? Oh man. Um, uh, well, one thing. So 
one source of um, a lot of memories, and, and I think TAP is very special in this way. We're actually part of a national network. So Tackle, Taiwanese American Citizens League, is our parent organization. And there are TAPs in nine other cities across the country. And um, yeah, they're on both coasts, they're in the Midwest. And twice a year during MLK and Labor Day weekend, all the TAPs, as well as these other programs, like uh, there's a camp program, a political nutrition program that all center tackle, we get together for a national conference or convention. And yeah, it's like a hundred other Taiwanese Americans really, really dedicated to their own communities get together, and we have a blast. Um, like, more recently, we were in San Diego, but um, like, we've been in like Seattle, Austin, Boston, LA. Um, the next one's in DC. And um, not only are these like trips themselves so much fun, you make a lot of memories with your own board, but again, relationships. I now have friends and people that I'm close with in nine other major cities across, across the country. country. Yeah, exactly. Outside of my own pen network, so um, that's super hard for a lot of people. Like I don't, I can't think of a lot of people outside of the pen network <laughs> who I've made friends with since graduating. Uh, yeah. Um, so I've been really lucky there, and, and my advice is, yeah, seek out. Seek out cultural groups. Like, if, if it's something you miss, something you want to do, see what's available in your city. And it, if it's not, either travel to one that's close by, or think about starting your own. If you think there's other people in your city that want to do that as well. Okay, sounds good. Um, we're running out of time to like cleaning up the coffee shop around. No worries. <laughs> but I'm going to try to like speed through the rest of this. Um, you also. So, what are some? What are some things you involved outside of, of, of your work and then this other extracurricular stuff? I know you're interested in board games, like we mentioned before. You teach a fitness class called Thirty Sixty Ninety. Yeah. Um, what else are you involved with, I guess? Yeah, um, well, definitely like 301690, really, really awesome. If, if you're in the city, come take, take my class. class. <laughs> um, I'll link it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, other things I'm involved in, let's say, work. Yeah, what, I mean, what's your favorite board game? What's my favorite board game? Uh, I think like my favorite all-time board game. I love the Ticket to Ride franchise. Okay. I think it's like, it, yeah. Do you have all the expansions or is there? Oh no, there's right. like, there's too many expansions. All right, if it's somebody's expensive. looking to get you a gift, we'll get you a Ticket to Ride expansion. Yeah. Um, I love that. All right, and then what's your favorite restaurant in the city? Oh, restaurant in the city. Ah, uh, really depends on my mood. In, right um, now, what do, you, what, what do you want to go to right now? Right now? Um, Oh, you know, is there any good Taiwanese places in the city you want? You would recommend? So actually, in Manhattan, there's not that many great Taiwanese places. Uh, yes. Someone should start something. Well, there's this new place that's opening up in um, St. Mark's. I think it's opening up uh, hopefully soon, next couple months. But they actually, the dish that I described earlier, the the big sausage, wrapped okay. little sausage, they actually will be serving it. So. Fingers right. crossed. When it, when it opens, really take me there. Oh yeah, okay. 100%, 100%. All right. um, sounds good. And then uh, two last questions before we go to the rapid fire. How do you think your pen experience has influenced your journey thus far? And where do you think your, what plans do you have going on from here? Yeah, um, so I think as an adult, a lot of what shapes who you are, it is very career driven. Um, and um, yeah, two out of the last three jobs I've had have been through relationships I've made through Penn. Mm -hmm. So um, how has it shaped my life? It's shaped it a lot, especially because yeah, your career and what you do for work really does, um, especially for a lot of people in New York, because you spend so much time in the office, like that's where, yeah. kind of where you are. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
I think the skills and I've learned, especially like people skills, okay. that's, that's really what's propelled me to where I am today. All right, and then where do you think you're gonna go from here, I guess, near future, far future, whatever you wanna speculate on? Um, I'll be honest, I, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know quite yet. Um, That's fair. I, I, um, yeah, it's. I'm still work, as I mentioned before. I'm still working on my um, reflective elements yeah. of my life. So, um, I think, I, yeah, again, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited to where I am. I'm excited, pretty excited for the next couple of years, but ultimately, long term. I need to think about that a little more. All right, that's fair, totally fair. All right, rapid fire questions. Um, all right, just whatever comes to mind. Um, sure. What is something that's making you happy right now? Um, oh, this weather. It's the weather? It's sunny. I got my first sunburn of the season yesterday, so oh, that pretty excited perfect. about that. <laughs> um, there were two kinds of Penn alumni, blank and blank. Two types of Penn alumni. Um, um, people that only hang out with their pen friends and people who, um, yeah, hang out with people that don't, that didn't go to pen. All right, sounds good. What advice do you have your high school self about your pen journey? This is a thinly veiled question about uh, just advice for people going to pen. Um, yeah, so try everything and then Think critically about what you want to stay involved in, or study, or do whatever it is. But don't don't let yourself hold yourself back. But also keep in mind that um, yeah, if you have ever, if you continue doing something, it's because you really want to do it. All right, sounds good. Um, what is your biggest regret regarding Penn? Something that you didn't do that you wish you had? Um, had sex on the bun. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh, is there anyone, last couple questions, anyone you'd like to shout out or give some love to? The mic is yours. Um, yeah, I, I, um, shout out to um, everyone back on campus, so um, everyone in the patch, um, people, um, PTS, like, I'm, I'm still on your email listserv, I still get your events, hope you guys have fun at your end of your banquet tomorrow night. Um, shout out to, um, yeah, shout out to the reunion planning committee, I'm hoping that this inspires some, some of our classmates to come back, more, more people to come back. Um, and shout out to, like, uh, the overall like, APA community. I think like it's. I don't know. Actually, I don't know what to say. All right, that's fine. That's totally yeah. fine. Um, okay, where can people follow you? Get in touch with you? Um, is there anything you want to plug right now? Um, just go for it. Yeah, um, I'm on Instagram, Alphawat, A L P H A W A T. I actually am pretty bad at posting, but I'm really good at stories. I post a lot of stories. Okay. Um, also, I'd love to have people come to my class. I'd love to have see more Penn alumni in my class. Yeah. Um, uh, you can book classes at 306090fitness.com. Um, right now, I teach Monday mornings and Thursday nights, although the schedule switches up pretty frequently. So um, if you're interested in taking a class, shoot me a message and I'll get you guys set up. All right, email? Um, yeah, um, same as my handle, right. alphawatt at gmail.com. All right, sounds good. I'll include all of these in the show notes. Um, thanks so much, Ben. It's been great catching up. I think they're going to kick us out of this coffee shop soon. Class of 2013, make it to your reunion. Um, yeah. Uh, thanks so much. Cool. Thanks so much, Paulo. Appreciate it. Uh, bye. And that's a wrap. 
Thanks again to our guests for coming on the show and taking time out of the schedule to share their story and their wisdom. And thanks to you for listening. This show wouldn't be here without your support. Uh, you can subscribe and look at the show notes for this show, including the contact information for our guests at iTunes, the Google Play Store, or upanpodcast.podbean.com. Thanks again to Fortissimo for our, for our intro and outro music. You can follow him on SoundCloud and Facebook. Editing and production was provided by Ninsboy Media. Special thanks to the Pan Asian American Community House and Alumni Relations. A quick reminder, the views and opinions expressed on this show are those of those appearing on the podcast alone and do not reflect those of the University of Pennsylvania. If you have any questions or feedback, please follow up with us at upanpodcast at gmail.com or at our Facebook page. Till next time, this is your host, Paul Bautista, signing off. Remember, keep it funky, folks. Bye.